Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, in the uh, political world, there are these folks. I was going to say guys, but you know, we're all guys these days, aren't we? Who are, we're known as um, consultants, I believe. Now they're known as strategists, because that's implies more brain power, I guess. And um, aside from advising candidates, they are also the people who show up on TV a lot to opine and even worse to predict. Yeah, you look at the polls and you think uh, it's a red wave. It's a blue wave. It's a red, white, and blue wave. Well, one of these people has darkened the reputation of the whole profession. I don't know his name or her name, but I know he or she is there. Somewhere in the uh, Pennsylvania Democratic Party. It's the person, I'm going to say they, they're the person Wow. They're the person who decided after a rehearsal or two or five that John Fetterman should engage in a live debate with Dr. Oz this week. They should never be active in politics again. And I think most of the Democratic officials in Pennsylvania are thinking exactly that right now. Hello, welcome to the show. I had a man He was a good man that is, you see what I mean if I thought he was a good man. I had a friend, she was a good friend. And I told my friend about my man, cause I thought she was a good friend. Life was sweet. Didn't I have my man work complete? Then the fireworks began. Ain't got no man. Ain't got no friend. Well, I bet you can guess just exactly what happened. The head was the end. The end of my friend, the end of my man, almost the end of me.
Santa Monica, California, the home of the homeless. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. News of the Godly. A senior official in the Vatican's Advisory Commission on Clerical Sexual Abuse admitted this week that the Catholic Church is failing to tackle the scourge of clerical sexual abuse in the southern hemisphere. That's half the earth. Last time I looked. There was a disparity in training and prevention of child sexual abuse between the northern and southern hemispheres, warned Andrew Small, the secretary. Andrew Small, no relation, the secretary of the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors. The Pope, Pope uh, Francis, has insisted the Church will adopt a zero-tolerance approach to abuse. Critics say many countries have yet to seriously confront the issue. This is from Agence France Presse. Ah, the French. That's them. There was an urgency to um, remedy the huge inequality in safeguarding services between the global north and south, Small said in an article published in the Vatican's newspaper, the Servitore Romano. That newspaper is still printing. The British priest, that is, um, Mr. Small, who was appointed by the Pope last year as part of his efforts to stop pedophile clerics, said, quote, although almost all of the world's 114 bishops' conferences have drafted and presented a set of guidelines, there remains the important question of their effectiveness and verification, both of which are essential with dealing when dealing with child protection. Unquote, the commission has been tasked with drawing up a yearly report to uh, chart progress. That's optimism for you. In the safeguard of minors across the church, the report would provide, quote, an urgent degree of transparency and accountability with regards to the protection of children and management of abuse cases. That's a quote from Small. It was not clear, however, if the report would be made public. It will provide an urgent degree of transparency, though. Even if it's not made public. We're supposed to believe that. And despite years of appeals by survivors to be heard, quote, the weight and significance actually given to the experiences of victims by bishops still is, quote, limited and difficult to discern, unquote. I think that that's the transparency right there. The, speaking of the, Francis the Talking Pope, he warned priests and nuns against watching pornography this week, watching it online, urged them to delete it from their phones to avoid falling into temptation. He told a Vatican session that porn on the Internet was a vice that so many people have, even priests and nuns, in response to questions about using digital and social media responsibly. Quote, the devil enters from there. It weakens the priestly heart, he said, speaking to seminarians and priests. 
Dear brothers, quoting again, pay attention to this, and if you can delete this from your mobile phone, delete it so you won't have the temptation in hand. Unquote. Yes, that's what he said. The head of the Roman Catholic Church recounted he'd once received a mobile phone when he became a bishop, which he used to make a single call to his sister, and then immediately returned it. It's not my world, said the Pope, but you must use it. That's in his, his comments about the benefits and risks of the Internet. He asked his listeners to excuse him for mentioning porn, but described it as, quote, a reality. Quoting again the Pope, I will not say, raise your hand, if you've had at least one experience of this, he added, asking them to reflect on it personally, and perhaps the couple of uses in his uh, comments or remarks of the word hand. And Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida this week addressed several controversies surrounding the South Korea-based Unification Church. Its official name. Do you know its official name? The Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. There you go. Kishida ordered an investigation opened into reports that the church's practices are coercive. He also accepted the resignation of a cabinet minister with links to the organization, promised to personally meet with families bankrupted by relatives' donations to the church. Japanese leader is attempting to draw a line, according to the German news agency Deutsche Welle, under a scandal that has dominated the headlines since former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated last July by the son of a church follower. But, critics aren't satisfied, quote, the Prime Minister's responses have been too slow. The fact that the Diet, Japan's legislature, is having to repeatedly address the impact of the church on politics has been a huge waste of public money. That's according to Sayuri Ogawa, became an outspoken critic of the church following her own family's experiences with it. Quote, those funds should have gone to the people who have lost everything to the church. If Kishida keeps his promise and speaks with the victims, then I will tell him he needs to listen to us and revoke the Unification Church's status as a religious corporation. And then he has to implement a bill to financially support the victims. Unquote. Ogawa, it's not a real name, she uses a pseudonym out of concern for the security of her husband and young child, has been targeted by the church since she first began speaking out in the media. Church officials attempted to halt a press conference, including statements by Ogawa, early in October. Fax messages were sent to the Foreign Correspondents Club of Japan, claiming that Ogawa suffered from, quote, psychological illnesses and her symptoms were getting worse. Another such message said she would tell, quote, many lies, unquote, and the event should be halted immediately. Ogawa, who's in her late 20s, said, the facts that was addressed to me at the press conference threatened to sue me if I lied or made any more statements about the church. But I'm confident many people who saw this news conference will understand which side is evil. Unquote. Her parents had encouraged her to join the church, and as a teenager she'd been an enthusiastic member, even going to South Korea to take part in one of the famous mass weddings the church puts on. 
ever since it was founded in 1954 by Reverend Sun Myung Moon. Once in South Korea, Ogawa said she was sexually assaulted by a senior member of the church on the pretext that, quote, an evil spirit had taken control of her soul. Unquote. When she returned back to Japan, she discovered her parents had donated her savings to the church. She believes in total her parents have donated about $68,000 over the past four decades. Even now, they regularly contact her in an effort to convince her to rejoin the church. Her story has uncanny echoes of that of Tetsuya Yamagami. He told investigators he shot and killed former Prime Minister Abe with a homemade gun in protest of his failure to stop the Unification Church from forcing followers to donate their life savings. His mother, he says, had bankrupted the family after giving the church $680,000. Weirdly more, ten times more than the 68000 in Ogawa's case. The National Network of Lawyers Against Spiritual Sales... It represents people who claim they've been pressured to make huge donations to the church. Says there have been more than 30,000 complaints against the organization. The Japanese government had refused to address the problem until the killing of the former premier, Shinzo Abe, put the subject in the spotlight. Quote, as lawyers, we've witnessed the distress, anguish, and economic suffering of too many former members, current members' families, and second-generation ex-members of the Unification Church. We've long been deeply concerned with this dire reality, said the organization. It accused church followers of deceiving targeted individuals, of inciting fear through alarming tales of karma and fate, and triggering a sense of guilt through psychological pressure. The Unification Church has been quick to dismiss claims it has acted in an inappropriate way towards its followers. Apparently, give me all your money is an appropriate way to treat its followers. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And another one, another such feature, follows immediately. News of this smart, 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 smart world. We have been trained by the publicity apparatus of Apple to believe that the um, the other big tech companies, the big bad tech companies, um, are steeped in the ethics and um, folkways of the advertising business, which require them to gather scads of data about us in order to target us more accurately with their advertising but that apple well it, it it isn't the business of selling us anything except apple stuff that is changing starting this week apple began showing more ads in its app store this according to mac rumors and gizmodo the change is small. It's the latest chapter in a growing trend after years of branding itself as the privacy company. Apple is getting into the digital ad business big time. A little bit more conservative with your personal data, but still, people who own Apple products should expect more ads in more places in the near future. 
Yes, that's the sound of Steve spinning in a container. Apple announced this latest offering to the advertising gods last July. You'll find the ads in the Today Today tab. That's the first page you see when you open the App Store. It used to just feature Apple's recommendations for apps that you might like. Now that extra attention is for sale. Quote, the prominence of this placement makes it a good option to drive awareness of your app. Unquote, the company. On a support page for its advertising clients. Apple has advertising clients? Yeah. Last year, the iPhone started asking whether or not you want your apps to track you. That setting is called the app. Tracking Transparency, or ATT. It caused an earthquake in the ad business. Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, says that change alone cost them an estimated $10 billion in lost revenue. Advertising revenue, that is. ATT hit one corner of the ad business in particular, ads for apps. ATT stops apps from collecting an ID number, which is used, among lots of other things, to figure out whether you installed an app seeing an ad for it. That's called conversion. Yeah, it's the other kind. Meta was one of the main companies helping app developers market their products. ATT made that much harder to do. And now that Meta Meta is shut out, Apple is more than happy to step in and sell you a place to advertise your app. That is not the only news recently about ads on Apple products. Apple executives are reportedly shopping around new ad space on the Apple TV streaming service, timed to happen just as the price of that service goes up. That's cute. The uh, company also seems to be building a team to steal small business advertisers away from Facebook and Instagram, according to job postings uncovered by MarketWatch. Industry insiders say this is all part of a long game Apple is playing to kneecap its Silicon Valley, sorry, Silicon Valley competitors and capture a larger chunk of the $500 billion online ad business. Apple declined to comment on this reporting. The App Store isn't the only place Apple is going to be running ads to monetize your attention. The company's been tight-lipped about its plans. There are more ads on the horizon. They're almost certainly going to come with more surveillance. Apple goes out of its way to collect data in a slightly less intrusive way than some other companies. The data collection is happening. Apple says what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. But Apple looks at it. It almost seems like there are no good guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide To beautify our countryside We offer you our hand Let us try 
precious flow to save our precious land. Let us try to help you clean up all our waters. Cause to try is to succeed. Lots of trying going on in Florissant, Missouri says the uh, president of the local PTA. Quote, we believe this Monday morning going in after kicking out all the kids and the teachers by the Army Corps and the Department of Energy is not a good faith act. It's according to Ashley Bernal. She continues, we believe it is only to discredit and diminish the kinds of concerns the public has already bought, brought to bear. We urge the Army Corps of Engineers to, even at this very late moment, stop what they're doing and consider bringing in third, fourth, or fifth parties that do not have existing contracts with the Army Corps to sample alongside everyone. Unquote. She's asking for a sampling and testing process to be done by independent agencies that don't hold a stake in the outcome. This is after an independent report from the Boston Chemical Data Corporation found high levels of radioactive contamination in the Florissant, Missouri, elementary school. Unlike previous reports, parents want all of this week's findings from the Army Corps made public. There's that pesky transparency again. Quote, Do not intermediary us any further, said the head of the PTA. Let us have information that can let parents parents make good decisions so we can keep our families safe, unquote. For some families, it's too late, says another local. I've already sold my house and I'm moving, so I gave up, said William Johnson. He hopes that Jana Elementary, the name of the school, will be cleaned up and that free medical testing will be given to all people who are close to the school. The uh, TV station that prepared that report, didn't include what caused the radiation, where it came from, how you get radiation in an elementary school, and why the Army Corps would be involved in the first place, unless somehow they had some involvement in the radiating. Or at least they tried Call it what you will A rose by any other name I don't want to play that game Call it what you will Give it to me straight The poison's in the the antidote Give it to me straight Up all night concealing things Back at the scene of the crime Never quite revealing things A talent for nothing Why new? 
on a spill Places like to come undone Who am I to blame someone Call it what you will From Santa Monica, this is Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Save, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, save, too safe to meet. Save, save, too safe to meet. The Wall Street Journal reports that dozens of France's nuclear reactors, which, uh, given what's going on with natural gas in Russia and the imminent onset of winter in Europe, are uh, pretty important to the nation's energy security, France's nuclear reactors are, remain offline following a series of troubling outages believed to be caused by Stress-induced pipe corrosion. Fixes are reportedly taking longer than anticipated, which is always good news. Quote, it's important that this work restarts as soon as possible. Unquote, Emmanuel Ovargon, head of France's energy regulator. She adds, if not, the risk of not having electricity rises. Unquote. The nuclear fleet in question, owned by the energy provider EDF, is comprised of 56 reactors, 26 currently down. The pipe problems, according to the journal, trace back to late last year, when a crack was discovered in a high-pressure pipe close to the reactor's core at the nation's youngest nuclear plant. 
Other plants then launched their own investigations and discovered their own stress corrosion issues right away. Quote, it's only possible to identify stress corrosion's presence once cracking has begun. That's according to France's Institute for Radio Protection and Nuclear Safety. Adding, regular inspections of the pipes can only identify the phenomenon once a fault is present. That's reassuring, isn't it? These aren't simple fixes because the majority of the cracks are so close to the reactor core. Radioactivity is a kind of a big threat for technicians. Their exposure has to be limited. So they zoom in, do some work, and get the hell out of there again. Given how complicated the repairs are, French power experts are reportedly quite pessimistic about the company's ability to get their reactors back online for the winter. Especially since, according to the journal sources, the timelines for several reactor fixes have already been pushed back by at least six weeks. Why, that'll bring us right smack into winter, won't it? Yes, Joey, it will. And Deadline Vienna, engineers at Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, you know it as the ZNPP, have been working to stabilize the facility's fragile external power supplies. This follows repeated outages earlier this month that forced it to temporarily temporarily rely on its emergency diesel generators for electricity. The director general of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Mariano Grossi, said, um, that's what's going on. While the nuclear safety and security situation at the plant remains precarious, the plant over the past 10 days has received the power it needs for cooling of the reactor and other essential safety and security functions directly and without, without interruption from the national grid. That's from the IAEA experts at the site. And Europe's largest nuclear power plant, the Zaporizhia, currently also has backup power available if needed through the switchyard of the nearby thermal power station. It was damaged by shelling in mid-October, repaired the following day. In recent days, the backup power arrangements have become more robust. A second interconnection at a thermal power plant switchyard was put into operation. This establishes a more reliable connection to the outside power line to deliver electricity if the main external connection were to fail again. But even with those improvements, the Director General of the uh, IAEA says the power station situation remains vulnerable. Only one external power line is operating compared with four before the current unpleasantness, and could deteriorate at any moment. Earlier in October, the plant's connection to the 750-kilovolt line from external power was cut three times in 10 days, the last such occurring on October 17th. During two of those cuts, the plant's emergency diesel generators provided the required electricity because the backup system was also down there's no been sorry been no shelling in the area of the plant over the last week there's still military activity in the site 
or in the vicinity of the site. There's absolutely no time for complacency. The situation could change dramatically at any point, says the head of the IAEA. Therefore, the establishment of a nuclear safety and security protection zone around the facility would still be nice. As a matter of fact, he says it would be of paramount importance and probably MGM importance as well. The director general has in recent weeks engaged in high-level talks in Ukraine and Russia aimed at uh, getting agreement on a protection zone as soon as possible. At the plant itself, Ukrainian staff continue to operate the plant, but there are more Russian technical staff now working at the site. And Russia has announced it's taken control of the facility, taking significant operational decisions following the creation of a Russian state operation operating organization for the site based all the way out in Moscow. Director General Grossi of the IAEA made it clear he regards the plant as a Ukrainian facility. So he expresses concern now about a possible confusion regarding the chain of command for operating the plant, which could negatively affect nuclear safety and security. But it it looks better on the chart. Clean, cheap, safe. Too safe to meet her, our friend the Atom. And now... News of the warm, won't you? Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm. Well, don't be drinking coffee during this next segment, or you might spit it up. The climate crisis has reached a, quote, really bleak moment. That's according to one of the world's leading climate scientists. After a slew of major reports, I think reports always come in slews, laid bare how close the planet is to catastrophe. This from The Guardian. Collective action is needed by the world's nations more now than at any point since the Second World War to avoid climate tipping points. That's according to Professor Johan Rockström. But he noted, as if we needed somebody to point this out, geopolitical tensions right now are at a high. At least something's getting high. Rockström says the world is coming, quote, very, very close to irreversible changes. Time is really running out very, very fast. Unquote. Emissions must fall by about half by 2030 to meet the internationally agreed target of 1.5 degrees Celsius of heating. But emissions are still rising, the report showed. This at a time when, in case you didn't notice, the world's major oil companies are making astronomical amounts of money. That uh, adjective is from The Guardian. And it's probably accurate. On Thursday, Shell and Total, the French energy company, both doubled their quarterly profits to about $10 billion. This uh, rise in profits has happened since post-COVID demand has jumped and after Russia invaded Ukraine. The oil sector is expected to 
gather in $4 trillion this year, strengthening calls for heavy windfall taxes to address the cost of living crisis and fund the clean energy transition. All three key UN agencies involved in the climate thing have produced damning reports in the last couple of days this week. The UN Environment Agency's report found there was, quote, no credible pathway to 1.5 degrees Celsius in place, and that even, uh, sorry, that woefully inadequate progress on cutting carbon emissions means the only way to limit the worst impacts of the climate crisis is a, quote, rapid transformation of societies, unquote. That doesn't sound like more freedom, does it? Current pledges for action by 2030, even if delivered in full, would bring a rise in global temperature of about 2.5 degrees Celsius. At that level, the world would uh, experience catastrophic climate breakdown, according to the UN's climate agency. Only a handful of countries have ramped up their plans in the last year, despite they promising to do so at the climate summit in Glasgow last November. Well, you know, what happens in Glasgow stays in Glasgow. The UN's Meteorological Agency reported that all the main heating gases hit record highs last year with an alarming surge in emissions of methane. As you know, that's a potent greenhouse gas. Several times more potent than carbon dioxide. It just doesn't hang around in the uh, atmosphere as long as CO2. The IA, oh, sorry, the International Energy Agency's World Energy Report offered a glimmer of progress that uh, CO2 from fossil fuels could peak in a couple of years, sorry, three years, as high energy prices push nations towards clean energy. It did warn that would not be enough to avoid severe climate impacts. Rockstrom, who directs the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research in Germany, said it's a really bleak moment, not only because of the reports showing that emissions are still rising, so we're not delivering on either the Paris or Glasgow climate agreements, but we also have so much scientific evidence that we are very, very close to irreversible changes. We're coming closer to tipping points, unquote. Roxton and his colleagues published a report in September that found five dangerous climate tipping points may already have been passed due to uh, humans and our heating, including the collapse of Greenland's ice cap. Quote, furthermore, the world is unfortunately in a ge- geopolitically unstable state says Rockstrom. So when we need collection, collective action at the global level, probably more than ever since the Second World War to keep, keep the planet stable, we have an all-time low in terms of our ability to collectively act together. I must say, in my professional life as a climate scientist, he continues, this is a low point. He said his piece after the U.N. Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said that climate action was, quote, falling pitifully short. We are headed for a global catastrophe and for economy-destroying levels of global heating, he said. Droughts, floods, storms, and wildfire are 
devastating lives and livelihoods across the globe and getting worse by the day. We need climate action on all fronts, and we need it now. He added that the G20 nations responsible for 80% of emissions must lead the way. And further reports published in the last couple of days said the health of the world's population is at the mercy of a global addiction to fossil fuels with increasing heat, deaths, hunger, and infectious disease as the climate crisis intensifies. Well, it seems kind of karmic. We're the ones who are causing it. We might as well suffer the consequences. Seems only fair. News of the warm, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Seems like everybody's sorry about slavery these days. The Scottish capital of Edinburgh became the most recent UK munis- municipality, Tom? Municipality. To formally apologize. Well, you might as well do the th- whole sentence. Municipality to formally apologize for its involvement in slavery and colonialism. Thank you. 
Robert Aldrich, the Lord Provost of Edinburgh, apologized at the beginning of the full council meeting at the city chambers. Quote, as a civic leader of the city and convener of the council, I apologize to all those who suffered profound physical and mental abuse from the city's past involvement in colonialism and slavery. The effects are deeply embedded in the fabric of our city, in the buildings and the institutions, and even in the way Edinburgh is laid out. We cannot deny the benefits that the city has accrued over the years from the exploitation of others, and in particular the continent and peoples of Africa. Unquote. An independent assessment group looked into the capital's connections to the slave trade and colonial culture before issuing the apology. It comes after Glasgow apologized for its involvement in the Atlantic slave trade all the way back in March, claiming that the slave trade's financial tentacles extended to every part of Scotland's second city. It's sort of their Chicago. James Corden apologized, taking some time at the start of Monday's episode of his show on CBS to acknowledge a recent controversy involving his now-reversed ban from a New York restaurant. He uh, offered an apology for the rude comment he directed towards the uh, restaurant's waitstaff. He said he made the comment in the heat of the moment after his table was accidentally served a dish his wife would have had an allergic reaction to. Quote, I didn't shout or scream. I didn't get up out of my seat. I didn't call anyone names or use derogatory language. I've been walking around thinking that I hadn't done anything wrong, right? But the truth is I have. I made a rude comment and it was wrong, Gordon stated. It was an unnecessary comment. It was ungracious to the server, unquote. The owner of the restaurant first publicly banned Gordon from his business last week. It alleged two separate incidents of rude behavior, but he reversed the ban after a phone call with Gordon, in which the comedian, quote, apologized profusely. We had a good talk. He appreciated the call, Gordon said in his opening monologue. I told him how upset I was that anybody was hurt by anything I had said. So he gets to eat there again. Dateline Moscow, Russian state broadcaster RT, has suspended and condemned one of its top presenters, Anton Krasovsky. This comes after he called for the burning and drowning of Ukrainian children. His remarks on TV provoked uproar on social media. He has now apologized. Krasovsky was responding, according to the BBC, to science fiction writer Sergei Lukyanenko, who said that in western Ukraine back in 1980, he had heard children saying, quote, Ukraine is occupied by Muscovites, unquote. RT News. As you may know, is staunchly pro-Kremlin. In the interview, Krasovsky smirked as he said, just drown those children, drown them. Alternatively, he said, they could be shoved into huts and burned. He also joked about Russian soldiers raping Ukrainian grandmothers. RT's editor-in-chief, Margarita Simeonyan, condemned his comments as, quote, wild and disgusting. Ukraine is, Ukraine is accused the channel, RT, of inciting genocide. 
Russian state TV has given much airtime to pundits and presenters who strongly support the war, call for more military aggression. They uh, routinely dismiss evidence of Russian atrocities alleging their Ukrainian fabrications. Russia's investigative committee, which handles serious crimes, is now investigating Krasovsky's comments. It's not clear what Russian law, if any, he may have violated. Well, at the beginning of the week, he apologized, saying, Well, it happens. You're on the air. You get carried away, and you can't stop. He said he was, quote, really embarrassed. Krasovsky came to prominence internationally when he defended LGBT rights and criticized Russia's law banning gay information campaigns that target minors. Law supporters claim to be combating gay propaganda. BBC's European Eastern European correspondent tweets that hate speech is now the norm on Russian state TV, and Krasovsky is just the tip of the iceberg. Gee, remember when we could feel superior to a country where hate speech is the norm? Boston Celtic player Jalen Brown is parting ways with Donda Sports. That's uh, an organization created by Kanye West, now called Yee. Or actually, should change his name. Again, shorten it by one letter. Y. Because that's... The Boston Celtics star had a change of heart after initially telling the local newspaper he planned to stick with the organization despite condemning West's recent anti-Semitic remarks. He announced his new decision... In the following statement, quote, In the past 24 hours, I've been able to reflect and better understand how my previous statements lack clarity in expressing my stance against recent insensitive public remarks and actions. For that, I apologize. And in this, I seek to be as clear as possible. I have always and will always continue to stand strongly against any anti-Semitism, hate speech, misrepresentation, and oppressive rhetoric of any kind. In light of that, after sharing in conversations, I now recognize there are times when my voice and my position can't coexist in spaces that don't correspond with my stance or my values. And for that reason, I'm terminating my association with Donda Sports. I do seek to continue providing mentorship, love, and support to the incredible children, faculty, and young athletes with whom I've been grateful to form bonds and relationships during my time with Donda Academy. Unquote. Doesn't sound like a football player, does he? Sounds like a basketball player. Dateline Los Angeles, the California Association of Realtors, formally apologizes for its past discriminatory policies. That's in a statement issued this week. That's including Proposition 14, a successful 1960s ballot initiative that overturned the state of California's first fair housing law. Regrettably, they say, the California Real Estate Association, now known as the California Association of Realtors, once played a leading role in segregation and exclusionary practices in housing. California communities, they say, still grapple with wealth and home ownership inequities. For decades, CREA promoted policies that encouraged discrimination and the idea that neighborhood integration would negatively impact property values. The association endorsed racial zoning, redlining, and racially restrictive covenants. The association was wrong, 
They say in their statement, we not only apologize for those actions, we strongly condemn them, and we will continue working to address the legacy of these discriminatory policies and practices, said CAR President Otto Katrina. CREA was behind a law passed in the 1950s that remains in place that makes it very difficult to build affordable housing in California. The association also excluded women and people of color from membership. So they kind of did the whole deal. And finally, you know who Jim Cramer is? He's uh, kind of a demonstrative commentator on CNBC, the financial news channel. He suggested earlier this year that shares in Facebook's parent company, Meta, would go up. And now he's sorry. He says, very sorry. He told investors in June that Meta shares had, quote, nowhere else to go but up, unquote. This week he apologized for his bad call following Meta's quarterly earnings announcement, which entailed a disappointing quarterly revenue outlook. Its shares fell 25% on Thursday, This their biggest one-day drop since February. Investors have pushed the stock down more than 70% this year. That's kind of a neon ouch. Quote, I made a mistake here. I was wrong. I trusted this management team. That was ill-advised, Kramer said in a somber tone. The hubris here is extraordinary, he says. And I apologize. Unquote. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time over these same radio stations or at another time of your choice on your audio device of choice or your radio station if you happen to be so lucky. And it would be just like owning a radio station if you would agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with these, today's broadcast. The email address for this program, I read them, I throw them away. Fair deal. Also, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. That's not going to go on forever. And the playlist of today's show, as well as much stuff to watch and read. All at harryshearer.com. And me, I'm on Twitter. Uh, this week, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.